hello and welcome to episode 59 of Three Beers and Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... Stu McFarlane. Thanks again for joining us from the Isle of Man. Very lovely to... No worries. Um, this is going to be a weirder one tonight because you've not seen very much. No, I, I've, I've been away um, and I don't think any of the major releases that you've mentioned are even over here on no. our tiny man aisle with yeah. two cinemas. Yeah. No, I've seen nothing, unfortunately. So basically my job tonight is to convince you to go and see something or find something um, when it comes out. That's, that's Correct. I've got three films to convince you of to, to try and go and see. Um, are you drinking yep. anything tonight? No, man. Working tomorrow, so I've got a nice uh, glass of ice cold tap water. Very nice. Um, equal. I am not drinking alcohol because I'm also not, I've been up since about six a.m. this morning, so I'm pretty done. So I'm just drinking tea tonight. So it's a very subdued and reserved three beers on the movie tonight. Yeah. Uh, but we'll start. Yeah, yeah, very calm. Have you watched anything at home recently of interest that you want to mention? Um, yeah, I watched um, what, what, what I what I finished. I finished um, the Leftovers, the TV series um, from Damon Lindelof, and I I really enjoyed that. I thought it was excellent, fizzing with ideas, and not everything works. No, um, and it, 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 but I think it's one of them that you're expecting to be. I was expecting to be left with a load of questions at the end of it, but actually it ties up pretty well. I mean, there's still a lot of moments like, hang on, what happened there? On the whole, I think they... It was pretty tight and pretty lean, considering how out there it becomes by the final season. You haven't finished the final season. I've read the book, and I've seen seasons one and two. um, Okay. And the book essentially follows season one. That's yes, all the book has. Have you read the book? No, no, no I, I haven't. Um, I, I was that was a good. I was going to ask you if um, if there were any deviations from the book, but from what That's you've seen, book. it's very similar. Actually, I'm, I'm watching the Handmaid's Tale just now. Um, yes, and it's on season two as well right now. And again, I'm reading the Handmaid's Tale the book right now as well. And it seems okay. the same. It seems this is a new, a new thing for American TV is they'll take an idea of a book and use that as a base of the first season which gives them then the second, third and whatever many seasons might go after that to spin off from it like yeah, Lester's done that yeah. Handmaiden's done that so has I think not Westworld Westworld might have done that to an extent as well and there's something else I'm drawing a blank on just now that's done uh, Man in the High Castle on okay. on um, Amazon has done much the same it's taken an idea um, a premise from the book and it's kind of ramming out the first season but then after that they're sort of spinning into their own world um, after that, it it's spirals. Not, yeah, it's not a bad idea to go with, to be honest. No, no, not at all. Yeah, it, it gets an audience involved and it gets a, an audience interested, but then also you, you can bring a lot more to the floor if you just rather than just try to get a straight adaptation. Um, so there's, you said the third season of Leftovers, it does tie up. Does it leave anything open at all? And they, they don't get, they've said they're not getting a fourth season, or they've said they want to include it this way. Does it feel... Yeah, I think they found out at the start of season three it was getting cancelled, so... It definitely has that feel where they're going out in the blaze of glory. Right. Um, they're going all out. They're, they are testing. They test the limits of your imagination at times. Yeah. Um, I, 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 it's the usual thing. It's probably going to be quite divisive for some people, but um, Lisa and I came away absolutely buzzing. I think it was it was really well executed, yeah. and it didn't it didn't go down the standard. Um, it's probably a good thing that they had that cancellation because you think of Lindelof's other stuff. He's a man with great ideas. But sometimes he can get gets wrapped up in them and he, they become too bloated. Things yeah. like lost. Lost just, is probably the prime example. I have a great idea that sort of just ran out of steam and ran out of it, and maybe had too many ideas yeah. at one point. Yeah. Exactly, and then and then it's just like, well, hang on, there's so many plot holes here. But it feels like the leftovers. Every time I t- I identify the plot hole, they seem to plug it quite soon. Know. Yeah, so I, I wasn't left um, wanting really. I'm quite satisfied. I'm quite glad they didn't go on more. Cause I'm I'm pretty happy with uh, with what they did there. So I finished that. Um, and uh, last movie I really enjoyed was 
um, four or five nights ago. Um, I watched Money Monster on Netflix, Jodie Foster's um, directorial flick with George Clooney and um, Julia Roberts and your Englishman from the skin from Skins. I can never remember Jack O'Connell. I think. Jack O'Connell, yeah, yeah. Very, it's a really solid movie. Yeah, no, I I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it's um, really tight, really lean, fast paced, catch you guessing all the way through. Good, just a good solid thriller. Like one I, I would definitely watch again. And the, the film you don't really see made that often now. Very oh. enthralled to kind of seventies cinema but you don't really see it much now um, no. so that's really refreshing it's definitely it's something it's one of the things that's missing from cinema that i really that i really do miss and um, which is that sort mm-hmm. of, right now maybe sort of like maybe the 30 or 40 million dollar thriller you know yes. it doesn't seem to get made that often you know because i was putting to you uh, off mic that i was watching inside man last night yeah and that's in that vein as well as like 40 50 million dollar horror eh, not horror sorry thriller that just sort of it picks the right buttons but doesn't leave a massive dent in the, the studio's budget but it just some of no. don't make them anymore um, and there's guys who are out there who are great at doing it. Guys like Tony Scott was, was fantastic at doing stuff like that. You know when he done you know the yeah, yeah. stuff. And I'm I'm, just, I'm a big fan of those types of movies. I think because they don't. And not every film has to be a two hundred million dollar blockbuster. You can not at all. Not at all. No. Quite happily get by on a fifty million with a decent plot and mm-hmm. bit, bit restraint. Um, and like so, I think that's what Money Monster is. Just it's a well done, well made plot. Thriller doesn't rely on explosions or any big major scenes. It's no. All, it's all very tightly constructed. Exactly. Couldn't agree more. You know, like films like in the 90s or the late 90s, like Ransom and Bone Booth and those kind of films that were that just kind of created tension of, of human interaction and surprise. So yeah. rather than explosions and action, like you say, so yeah. it's, it's really all about the director, really. So Jodie Foster's done an excellent job there. I'd like to see her direct more, to be honest. Yeah, it's one of those films that I can imagine myself watch. You can maybe imagine yourself watching it on like a, a Friday night after the pub almost. It's, it's a sort of late night mm-hmm. BBC One, BBC Two thriller. Not low budget enough to be sort of an indie darling, obviously. It's not high budget enough to be a um, mm-hmm. like blockbuster. And also, it's not low budget enough to be seen as like one of those kind of out there flicks that might win an Oscar. You know, you know, Money Monster's not three billboards. No, and it won't no. get that. I mean, it, it, I'm not saying it's the same a better film, but it's not. It's not. It's a different vein it's of not, film. You know, and it's it's not quite as cerebral as something like you know. Yeah. It's not, yeah, it's not an auteur's film. Yeah, it's, it's almost it's almost too flashy to be an auteur's film, but not flashy enough to be the, you know, the... The blockbuster, blockbuster the yeah, block's not going to be in it. Yeah. But a really good film. Um, the only one I've watched actually at home recently, um, of interest, apart from some random old watches, was I've dipped into the DC universe with um, some of their animated stuff, called, and it's one called Justice League Dark. Um, okay. It's on Sky, basically it's a take on the Justice League, but it's all the kind of like more magical elements in it, so if you're a DC fan, it's actually not too bad a movie. Um, cool. DC animated is something that does, they're actually much better at animated stuff than they are at their live action stuff recently. The animated yeah. seems to delve into the, um, well, number one, they make it a 15, so that's obviously they make it a bit darker. Um, and also they have some really deep cuts from like sort of the lore of DC Comics, which is which goes very you know it's nearly a hundred years worth of you know backstory and mythos they can, they can pull from. Um, and mm-hmm. the, the movies they do then they're not really allowed to, or they don't really want to do that because it creates too many you know questions and plot holes and people are humming and hawing over it. But in the animated they're, they're sort of more free to to sort of show you know to, to show off that way and show what they actually can with kind of different back catalogs they've got. It's um. Uh-huh. Pretty basic story. It's not. It's not. It's not the cleverest of of DC stories, but it's only on for about eighty minutes, and it's actually quite a decent decent watch if you're a, if you are a fan of the DC world. Yeah, no, I am. No, so I, I I like the animated stuff that I've seen. So yeah, I'll yeah. check that out, man. It's not on a par with the Dark Knight Comes, the one they done 
the two parts yeah. of um, Frank Miller's comic, and it's definitely not on a par with some of the early Batman stuff that they did, but it's still very solid, very good, and way better, solid. way better than any of the Marvel stuff. Yeah, I've seen a bit of the Marvel stuff. It felt a bit um, watered down, the stuff I'd seen. Um, just a bit just a bit cheap and garish. I far preferred... I, I mean, I'm, the Batman stuff you recommended to me was so incredible that it probably set the bar quite high, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the Marvel stuff seems almost a little bit cash any. You know, it's like they're almost like okay, mm. kids all now like Guns of Galaxy, so we've got a Guns of Galaxy cartoon out. You know, yeah, that, that, agreed. Yeah, that 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 was my kind of take home from it as well. Yeah. It does seem very. I might say I might say childish because they are they are made for kids, but it does seem kind of like that. It's, there's no real need or want to try and please the, the kind of adult population, no. which is about shame. Whereas the Batman, well not just Batman, but the DC stuff seems to. There is obviously a, a definite kiddie element one, the one which we'll talk about in a bit two minutes time. But they also do seem to throw a lot of stuff in for the for the adult stuff as well. Cool. Yeah. I'll check that out, man. Yeah, it's, it's on Sky Movies. It's it's a like I said, it's only about eighty minutes long, so it's a solid enough you know watch. We have a wee bit of time to kill. Um, but we want to move on to some of the cinema stuff. Like I said, it's a very slow week at cinema this week. I don't know why it's so slow this week. I'm assuming it's because there's so much stuff still out. Like Ant-Man's out, and you've got, I think, Mission Impossible Fallout's out, and Mamma Mia's still chewing up every screen that's going. Um, Jesus. I think, I think that's pretty much it, because I was looking to go and see a lot of more stuff this week, and literally there wasn't anything on. Uh, they so, are all the, they're all the three films. Yeah, kind of all the cinema. Yeah. Yeah. My local cinema's about, I think it's about 13 screener, and there's an 18 screener as well, and pretty much shows how the three films are taking up probably about 80% of the, of the screen time. So trying to find something to watch which is something difficult. It's a bit of a shame because there, there is other stuff out that, that didn't get a release up, up in my neck of the woods. And I imagine obviously in your neck of the woods it's even less so than, than that. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> but, so the, the first one I saw um, was another DC animated thing. It's called Teen Titans Go! Exclamation mark To the movies. Um, which is directed by a guy, well, two guys called, one called Aaron Horvath and one called Peter Rita Mikkel. Um, so they're both sort of veterans of the Teen Titans Go TV show uh, that runs on, I'm assuming, Cartoon Network or, or something. Cartoon Network, I think, yeah. yeah. Um, I've never seen it. I've, generally, I've never watched it. I know people who do watch it and love it. Um, I think Colin might watch it. His kids might like it. Um, okay. I'm not 100% sure. But essentially, it tells the story of Teen Titans. They're sort of, like, sort of the lesser superheroes. You've got like Robin, led by Robin. You've also got um, Beast Boy. You've got uh, Starfire. And you've got Cyborg and someone else I can't remember. Uh, Raven, I think the other one, sorry, called. And they're basically, they're the three less, they're all the lesser superheroes. And in this film, they are trying to get their own movie made of themselves because they realise that any superhero worth his soul has a movie made about them. Um, but basically, the director tells them, you can't have a movie made about you because you're the worst superheroes. And the only reason you'll get a film made about yourself is all other superheroes go away. So they have to go about <laughs> to prove that they're worthy of a movie. Um, so that's a very basic plot. Um, you've got a really, in- a really interesting cast of like really good voice actors, so probably everyone will recognise the voices but don't actually know who any of the people are. You know, you you you'll probably hear the voices in like if you watch a cartoon for the last like twenty or thirty years, you've heard these yeah. voices in it. Um, the only one I know offhand is one woman called Tara Strong, who plays really famously played Harley Quinn in all the sort of adaptations of Harley uh, Quinn. Okay. Um, right. She's also done stuff on. Rugrats as well. She's sort of like she's been around for a long, long time, doing lots of work. Um, you have got a lot of famous people in it as well. You've got Will Arnett plays the main baddie. Oh, yeah. Um, you've got no. Patton Oswalt pops up as well. Nice. Um, Kristen Bell's in there as well. You've got Greg Davies, oh, yeah. British actor, which is quite an odd choice in there as well. Um, yeah. For everyone to be happy about, you get Nick Cage playing Superman. You know, no actor. fucking way. Yeah. Really? That, that was a, oh. a joy. So finally, Nick Cage gets to play Superman. Oh, oh that's that's. 
sensational news. Yeah. You've got them now. Yeah. yeah. So that, that was the thing that told us me. Like, the idea of Nick Cage playing Superman um, oh. was just a lovely idea because obviously everyone knows that he, he was cast to play him, he was going to play him, and all of a sudden the film just fell through for all manner of crazy reasons. Yeah. There's a great, a great documentary out called The Death of Superman. Um, Death of Superman, yeah. Yep. Superman um, lives. No, no, Superman lives is obviously going to be cold, isn't it? Yeah, the death of Superman. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's actually got a really good documentary trying to find it. Very unfortunate. The guy who made it died like two weeks ago. Oh, shit. Really? I think he's only in his mid 40s, but he had a massive heart attack, apparently, and just died recently. Oh, no way. Yeah, he was. Um, he'd made something else recently that um, they were trying to push as well when he was shooting that, and just I think he went to bed one night and just. Boom, that was it. Um, I, only, I only heard about it because um, Kevin Smith was talking about it, because he's in The Death of Superman, so he he was talking about the, this guy passing away. But if you can find the documentary, it's a really good documentary. Um, but back yeah. to Teen Titans Go, um, really strong um, entry into the DC animated world. It's, it's insanely funny. Oh, right, right. The whole film, I was chuckling and giggling all the way through it. Um, it's very knowing throughout. It's like it knows what it's aiming at. It knows its audience. It knows its audience are big geeks for the most part. Right. There's all yeah. the stuff there for the kids, you know, it's bright, it's colourful, and there's like, you know, fart and poo jokes all the way through it, which obviously every kid will enjoy. But then all these sort of really subtle, clever jokes that kids, that adults are going to get as well. Um, so a lot of stuff happened in the background that you're kind of going, did I see what I think I've seen there? You know, that's that's really uh-huh. funny, that's really well done. Um, the Again, because what it does with, with DC, what they've done in the previous DC animated stuff is they're making some really deep, deep sort of like delving into the, the archives of DC lore and pulling, that out, pulling all that out. So while sure. I mean, I think it's been the guys thought it'd be fun to do it. It could be that they thought if we do this, and eventually maybe they can use this to spin it off into something else who knows but when you see stuff you're like I cannot believe I've seen a film when it's got that in it that it makes no sense of that in a movie whatsoever but <laughs> as a fan of comic books I very much appreciated seeing them on screen and then you can start oh, that's cool. yeah so it's, it's a really it's a fun silly way to spend I think about 79 to 85 minutes excellent nice and lean as well yeah nice I mean there's not much there there's not much of a plot there to, to be able to sort of um, extrapolate out um, and also it's one of those kind of films that I think another guy who makes a film similar to this, but it, it, show, it throws about 15 jokes a minute. So oh, right. even if 12 don't hit, there's still three there that are going to make you laugh. You know, it's so, got that kind of scatter shot. Um, yeah, it's all, so I think it's all over the place, but then some of the stuff will go right over your head or you'll completely miss it, but there's enough of it there that if even 10% of the stuff hits you, you're going to laugh at it. You're going to laugh, yeah. Mm. Well, that's really cool. I yeah. mean, I, I saw there's quite a buzz about this. Um, Robbie Collin... Um, the film critic very very excited about it and and saying it was potentially the most fun he's had in the cinema all year so yeah I was looking back on my comedies that I've watched this year, and it's been a very lean year, I think, so far for comedies. Like, I can't, yeah, not great. I can't really think of much that's had me properly, you know, laughing. Belly laughs. Yeah, belly yeah. laughing in the cinema. Um, Game Night might be the closest I've came to actually having a proper, like a real yeah. proper laugh. Deadpool was fine. Deadpool uh, was okay. I enjoyed Deadpool a lot, but... It, it was it was retreading a lot of old ground, whereas this one I felt was actually it's, breaking a little bit more. It's new. Yeah, that's yeah. a film. That's a a lot um, a lot newer. Um, and I'm trying to think. I probably it's probably the DC film I've enjoyed the most since I don't know, like Batman, Dark Knight. I think possibly like the most enjoyable DC movie. There's been a lot of really bad ones in the past, you know, ten yeah. years or so. So yeah, it's it's generally a really funny film. It's probably got the best closing line of any film of the last five years. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I'm intrigued. Yeah, it made me laugh a lot, and it made everyone in the cinema laugh a hell of a lot. When this, this, it, literally, it literally is the final line of the film, and it is an abs- it's an absolute cracking line that just blows the place apart. So if you watch it for any reason, watch it for that. I, I'm very intrigued by this film. I, yeah. I will 
watch it at some stage. Would it be applicable, appropriate for my five-year-old son? Or yes, because, absolutely. Because that's when we were in the cinema watching it. Me and Joe, it was literally we were the oldest people there who didn't have not who did not have children. Mm. Yeah. Like everyone else had brought young kids, you know, between the age of like maybe five and. Even younger, maybe four, okay. four to about nine, you know. So it's wow. and there is all the stuff that's there for them. They'll get, and they'll, all the stuff that's not for them will pretty much probably blow past them. But you'll chuckle away at it. It's really hard to get that balance right. So they've done well there, haven't yeah. they? Yeah, that's that thing. It is that balance. I've, I've sat, I love animation. I've sat through a lot of really kiddie animated films, yeah, which yeah. very all very earnest, all very lovely. But you're gonna go and I am bored by what this is doing right bored now. Bored shitless, yeah. And you're <laughs> yeah, probably exactly. you've, seen, you've probably seen as many as well. You know, probably more than me. Oh. Just bad yeah. animation. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, I have tragically. Then a good one like um, Captain Underpants earlier this year. That was a good one. That had a good mix between yeah. the kiddie stuff and the. And the adult jokes that was quite funny. Some of some of some of that is a lot of the um, probably Empire guys were saying that you know what you don't want to watch you think it's gonna be terrible, but overall it did make you laugh more than you thought it would make you laugh. So yeah, yeah, it was a surprise. I can't. I'm, I'm, this sounds like a league above that. Don't get me wrong, but uh, um, no, I'm, I'm very intrigued by yeah. by this and particularly that final line. Um, yeah, yeah. with regard to the um, animation, that Cartoon Network animation, I found that just on complete segue here before you go into the next film. I found out an amazing fact. You may already know this, being a factoid that you are. Ren and Stimpy. Stimpy is a Manx cat. I did not know that, no. No, did I? fucking blew my mind. So, yeah, he's, he is a cat bereft of tail. For listeners who don't know, Isle of Man cats have no tail, probably due to fucking inbreeding, um, but, <laughs> which would be appropriate for the Isle of Man. But, uh, yeah, Stimpy. Stimpy is a Manx cat. Who that, you? The Bee Gees now come off your stamps and Stimpy goes on it? It should be. That's yeah. how it should happen. There's yeah, only one BG left. So you're gonna claim the BG who you know, BG probably used to probably visited Isle of Man at one point. Let's get Stimpy on there. Stimpy's by far. Let's get Stimpy on there. I'm Stimpy. I'll petition for that and I'll keep everyone on three beers updated how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> But um, out of 10 for Teen Titans, I give it 7.5 out of 10, which for an nice. animated film is pretty damn high. It's really good, that, yeah, definitely. So yeah. Definitely worth a watch. Um, and on nope. the second film, which happened on the same night, um, there was a complete, there was a kind of a change of um, tact with going from sort of a, a very kiddie friendly film onto a very unkiddie friendly film called Equalizer 2, uh, directed by. And some guy? Mr. Fuqua, Mr. Fuqua, we'll call him. Um, Fuqua. He obviously directed um, Magnificent Seven, Training Day. Um, Equalizer 1 Southpaw recently as well um, oh yeah that was the last film he did um, he's done a few other ones as well but you know here and there um, plot of this film falls on from Equalizer 1 which was obviously Denzel Washington playing a guy who goes out and equalizes situations Some, if there's been a wrong did to someone he goes and balances the ledger um, this film sees him in Boston. He's he's um, had to flee where he was before. Um, he's still basically doing random acts of I'm not, I'm not going to say call him kindness because I'm not really kindness. You know, it, he's doing. He's like a violent Robin Hood. Yeah, you know. like a violent, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's, he's doing, he's doing, doing what he does. But yeah. with this, he also some of his old life starts to catch up. Because he used to be in the CIA, and so he's yeah. like that catching up with him, um, and then and treading on his, his new life that he's, he's trying to make for himself. Um, so in the film, obviously Denzel is the, the main man in the film pretty much in every single scene um, you've got Pedro uh, Pascal who is sort of the other major actor in it he plays well, sorry, he plays like a CIA guy who who was Denzel's ex-partner um, okay. Game of Thrones I don't know who is in Game of Thrones I'm sure he is in it somewhere but I don't recognise him um, he's more famous for being in for me Kingsman 2 okay he, yeah he plays Whiskey in Kingsman 2 oh right 
literally the only thing I've seen that guy in, I, yeah. I think. So, yeah. Well, I looked at his IMDb page and he said the most he's most well known for are Game of Thrones and this. And I'm thinking, I mean, I, my knowledge of Game of Thrones is pretty weak. Um, but Mine too. Yeah, so you might be in that. Um, you've got um, Ashton Sanders, who plays like a sort of young ward of Denzel. He was in Moonlight, the kind of Oscar one that happened. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can't, again, I can't, remember, I can't remember him in the film. I don't think he's got a big role in the film, but he's in that film somewhere. Uh, and you also, you know, sort of propping up in the and starring category. And you get Melissa Leo and Bill Pullman are also in there as well. And oh, Pullman's in there. Yeah, Alex right. Pullman's in the first one as well. He, he sort of popped up for a, a, a brief moment in the first one as well. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. It's been a while, but yeah, yeah, yeah. he's in there, isn't he, Bill? And he's the president, as far as I'm concerned, he's the president. And you tell me what we're talking about with, um, with the film you were watching, sorry, Money Monster. This is sort of in that vein of the, the 50-odd million dollar sort of thriller movie. You know, it's, it's, in, yeah. in, it's in that vein. Um, I enjoyed the hell out of it. It's, it is a B-movie, from, it is a B-movie, B-movie premise. Um, but with the director, the director have got behind the camera and also Denzel in front of the camera, it doesn't stray into that you know, sort of taken territory, which it so easily could do. That, that's yeah. what I was going to say, actually. Does it go down that route? Because that, that, that's a danger, isn't it? It becomes so ridiculous and yeah. so out there that it's, it's, it loses credibility. Yeah. There are ridiculous elements to the story. Yes. Which you get in any action, you know, action movie. Yeah. You're totally fine with that. But it's still... That's retains, okay. Yeah, it still retains an element of credibility throughout the whole film. And I think that is mainly... A lot of that is down to Denzel in front of the camera. Denzel has a gravitas behind him. The star quality, yeah. Yeah, they yeah. just... You, you believe him, whatever he plays. Um, yes. And also, Fuqua obviously behind the camera is a, is a crack... He knows how to build tension. You know, he, he knows exactly what he's doing when it comes to that. So it's maybe two people raising the material above what it probably could have been in the hands of, you know, another director with other random B-list actor in it. You know, you could yes. easily make this film and it could have been, you know, Ryan Reynolds or, you know... Liam Neeson or something like that in the title role and it would been a completely different kind of movie it would have probably been a yeah, lot yeah, yeah. weaker um, it, it does it builds the story well it doesn't jump straight into the action there's a bit of action at the start you, you see him doing these sort of acts of kindness and sort of working his way around this but it's very much mixed within seeing him as a person and him trying to live his life as well and you're trying to uh-huh. him, and, and you're also kind of trying to get an idea of why he's doing this you know you, you, you're not really sure it's never really confirmed why he does this but there's a sense of, there's a bit of an inkling towards he's trying to balance his ledger. You know, he's obviously got a lot, a lot of red in it, and he wants to try and maybe in some way equalise that before he mm-hmm. goes off the mortal coil. Yeah. Um, what I like about it, more than I like about, say, a film like Taken, or I think other films of that, it's not... So many of them, though. Yeah. yeah so many. It's not glorifying the violence to any real degree, and I thought you got that from the first one as well. Den- like the Denzel character is not particularly happy about doing this. You know, he doesn't take any... No. He doesn't really take that much enjoyment or any enjoyment at all. He, he's doing it as a as a, a means to an end, you know. And it mm-hmm. doesn't linger on that a lot. You know, it's not trying to be overly gory. And sometimes the actually the violence is so quick and so fast you don't actually see it. Yeah. You know, whereas it, other it, films like this, they would, they would sort of you've seen the leg breaking from fifteen different angles. Yeah. Get, get, it, it's stylized. It's glorified. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, which where it, yeah, it necessarily isn't necessarily here. That that must elevate it as well from. Yeah the canvas of the horde of films of this ilk. Exactly, it brings it down, it makes it feel more real, in, in terms of, yeah. it, you know, it, it, does, it brings it down to that level. Um, and because of that, I really in, enjoyed it a lot more than say I do enjoy it, and then I enjoy, let's say, the other types of films we mentioned earlier on. It's, yeah. yeah. Um, there's some really 
good moments in it. Really, really, you know, some of the action stuff is really good. You see Denzel, I mean, Denzel must be, what, in his 60s now? Close to his 60s? Yeah, he must be on 60 now, yeah. Yeah, and you see him take out, like, five pretty boys, you know? It's, like, it is enjoyable to watch. You know, you see him just destroy oh, yeah. five people in the space of about 20 seconds. You're like, holy shit, like, Denzel, Denzel's got some moves. Um, they, they, it seems to be a niche for that now, like the, the geriatric thespian who becomes a badass, you know, like Denzel, um, Liam Neeson... Even Sean Penn had a go at it for a little while, didn't he? Keanu's uh, must be well known. Yeah. I mean, he's well known in now as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the man is ageless, Keanu. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a, a painting in his attic. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the thing is, Denzel, you just want to watch Denzel on screen. You yeah. always want to watch him. He's completely captivating. He's got to be up there with the greatest of all time. So even when he's in these... Not substandard, but not these films that maybe are a bit more disposable than some of those other stuff. You're still going to come away very satisfied because you've had Denzel on screen for a couple of hours. Exactly, because we were watching, like we were looking through it. I'm having a bit of a Denzel fest of late because of this movie. You look at some of his back catalogue. You know, obviously he's done Malcolm X. He's done all that kind of stuff. He's done the the Hurricane. He's done um, Training Day, Glory. All these are films that have a like immense weight to them and obviously his cinematic could yeah. or are forever done. Then he'll do something like Unstoppable. Yeah. You know, a film yeah. a runaway train. All the Tony Scott stuff. Man yeah. on fire. You know, fucking I, badass. I, you can only assume he must like working with certain people and that's why he does yeah. these films. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine yeah. this is why he did this one because he's never, he's never done a sequel before. No. No, he hasn't, has he? No, no that's a good I point. I can only assume it's because he likes working with Fuqua and that's why he did it because he did yeah. Training Day with him, one of his Oscar training day. He enjoyed Equalizer the first one. He did Magnificent Seven with him as well. You know, again, maybe not what you expect then it to be in and then you've got a film like this you know so it, it seems like he, he'll, he'll work with people who he likes and enjoys and if they can bring something of interest to the table he'll do it like he, he, I, I can imagine if Rukwad decided not to do this film and they brought in another you know, director, I can imagine Denzel would have walked away at that point as well yeah and Jason Statham t- steps up yeah. <laughs> you know that, that, that or probably Idris Elba somebody would have stepped in to play or like Elba it. yeah you know Denzel yeah. right. you know that, that would be kind of that's the way they would go with it but he, yeah. likes, he likes who he works with, and if he can find people he likes to work with, he will do stuff like something like Deja Vu, for example, or he'll do Man on Fire, he'll do stuff like, you know, things that yeah. maybe don't have the gravitas of, like you said, stuff like Malcolm X and all that kind of, you know, all the kind of, you know, all the, all the bigger movies that he's mm-hmm. well known for, like he's sort of, you know, what he, he was all the plaudits for. Um, we, we, we talked about this before, you know, the, the snobbery of, 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 um, of film critics, you know, it's actually incredibly diverse of him to to delve between such such highbrow and i hate the phrase but lowbrow yeah mm-hmm. and, and still excel at both and still be deemed one of the greatest thespians of all time from stage and and screen you know yeah. he, he's a, a highly renowned um uh, uh stage actor as well uh, and then also director of fences i really enjoy fences yeah i mean he's great uh, fences on stage as well so he's dead I think he did both of them. He did he? Did I'm sure he right. did on stage. I did, um, obviously, he directed the, um, the live action, the cinematic version. I'm sure he did it on, he directed the on-stage version as well. So something like that has got to be creatively absolutely sapping. So he wants to do something maybe that's more fun. And we shouldn't we shouldn't dismiss that because at the end of the day, we're paying money to be entertained. So yeah. there's no issue from us, is there? 
He knows his brand as well. You know, he knows that if I do this, people it keeps my stock high. So when I do yes. this, like fences, which to be honest, I wasn't a huge fan of fences. I enjoyed. It. I, I did. I did. I really liked it, but it was it was it was a bit plodding at times. But I did. I did really enjoy it. Yeah, um, it's, it's a one-time watch. It's not. You're not going to go back and watch fences again. I don't think. No, 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 no. no not going to watch it again. You can appreciate everything. You appreciate everybody in the fences, but it, I've and the artistry and everything else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. not yeah. a massive fan of it, but I, I can get where it's coming from. Yeah, that allows you know doing that is people be more forgiving of that because they've seen him do you know 12 other films beforehand that everyone absolutely loved and enjoyed and it gives it gives that a little bit of leeway this film equalizer 2 has got some fault um it's not as good as the original one i enjoyed the original one a little bit more um, okay because this one is it's trying to explore this sort of mythos of him being a cia agent and sort of it felt it was building in a sort of a retconning backstory that really wasn't in the first one that much you know the first one didn't really have too much of that it just sort of indicated no he was someone he's not that person he didn't, anymore, he didn't know much about him at all the first one really did no. you you know he, yeah very quiet um there is also a moment in this film there's a really good reveal moment in this film but it comes about 35 minutes too early ah right so once something's revealed you then know everything's going to happen afterwards because you know something can't happen to Denzel right you're almost waiting for to like it's, it's a bit like watching like you know like a Perry Mason um Yes. Or, or <laughs> yeah. You know who did it's it. Columbo. <laughs> yeah. You know who did it. You yeah. know how they did it. All you're now waiting is to see what the punishment will be. You know, and, and, and because of that, you for the last half hour, which is sort of the kind of actiony moment of the film, like sort of when it gets really sort of more and more like sort of just a balls out action film. You lose, and you've lost the tension. Yeah, you lose mm. the tension. But it's all, all the way through. It was all the way through. It was built. It was a lot of strands in the film. You're going to go and retreat where it's all come together, and just that loses a little bit because of that that kind of lack of tension there. Yeah. Okay. Um, but overall, it's seven out of ten. It's a shit ton of seven out of ten. Yes, yeah, I enjoyed it immensely. I, I had a great time with it. Um, it is just like you said we talked about Denzel. It is disposable. One is you know you'll watch it once. If it's on late night one night, you'll probably sit and watch it again. But you're not going to go searching for it once you've seen it once. But it's a, it's definitely worth at least a one time watch. Does the job? Does the job for like so we we saw it on a Monday night. Good Monday night entertainment. Cool. Okay. I'll I'll certainly watch it when it when it becomes available. So I enjoyed the first one, and I'm like you, I'm a, I'm a Denzel devotee. So we'll certainly watch it. Definitely a good like, good choice. And um, last thing we talk about, it's not one in the cinema, but it's one that's on Sky Movies right now. Um, okay. It's a so you maybe find this one a bit easier to find. It's called Briggs the Bear. Okay. Um, uh, is this the uh, the um, documentary? No, no. Okay. It's something totally different. It's um, directed by a guy called Dave McCary, who's done a lot of shorts and is also sort of an SNL director and a lot of SNL stuff. All right. Um, plot of this film essentially is there's a boy who's living in a, an underground shelter with his mum and dad and the first 10 minutes of the film the police raid the shelter and take him away because he's been told he lives in a shelter because of some disease that's happening outside world but when the police come in and raid it they find out that his parents he grew up he's now in his 20s the people who think his parents were not his parents he was kidnapped as a child okay. and he gets taken back to his real mum and dad and okay he's twist and, but the thing that kept him going in the shelter, the thing that he he loved in the shelter was he loved this TV show called Briggs the Bear. And right. it sort of fraught, it's from the early 90s, and then you find out, he finds out that there's no final episode of Briggs the Bear. So this guy wants to, well, also coping with trying to get out of, you know, in terms of what's happened to him, he wants to make the final episode of the Briggs the Bear TV show. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, it's, a guy, the guy's in it, it's a guy called Kyle, um, I think his name is Mione. Muni, uh, also writer of the show. He plays the main, the young, the boy. He's I mean, he's maybe he's early twenties. Um, you also got Mark Hamill turns up in it as well. 
nice. Um, Greg Kinnear. Oh, yeah. Greg Kinnear's in it as well. Yeah, I saw, I think I saw a trailer a while back for this. It yeah, was absolutely it, mental. It, yeah. It, it, yeah, and it didn't much a release, unfortunately. That's why I had to watch it on um, on Sky. You've got um, Matt Walsh, who's, you know, from Veep. He plays Mike in Veep. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I love him. He yeah. plays it as well. And Claire Danes comes up in it as well, and Michaela Watkins as well, she plays the, um, the wife of um, Matt Walsh, they're his two real parents, uh, Mark Hamill plays the fake dad, so, you know, the, the kidnapper dad. Yes, um, okay, yeah. It's a very odd movie. Um, it but, looks fucking mental, yeah. Isn't there a big, isn't um, there's a, there's a massive moon or something in it, from that, what I remember. That's, that's a TV show, that's that's what he's trying to recreate. That's a, that's that's sort of like the animation for TV show. Yeah, yeah. I just I remember the moon from the yeah. um, from the trailer. Like, what yeah. the fuck? Yeah. What a kind of weird kind of sort of Truman showness with like across because it's basically it's almost a Truman show the moment he leaves the house or, or, or leaves that world. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it, right? Living in a totally self-contained you know universe, but that wasn't obviously his biggest Truman world. It's just it's not just just one room or, or one sort of like underground complex. But that was his. Yeah. World. Um. And then that shattered, and he has he leaves it, and it's him discovering the real world. And um, so where Truman Show stops is he's almost where this thing's picking up. Um, it is much more. It's it's sort of a character study of delayed ad- adulthood, you know, because in the film he's in his probably early twenties, but everything yeah. about his mind is he sort of he starts he starts kid essentially. He likes to watch cartoons, he likes to watch read comic books and that kind of stuff. He's he's very much a child still, you know, and and, and essentially he's never had to leave home because he's always been home in a state of arrested development absolutely yeah and he's still clinging very much to the childhood experience even when he's sort of back with his new parents or his real parents he still clings for that new that the old parents he had in the past as well it's got very solid performances from everybody um it's got a lot of power behind it you know the the, the actors are very good in it um you've also got guys like lord and miller who are behind the camera as well they're not directing it but they're producing it so there's a lot that you guys oh, okay story. yeah um, yeah. The thing that I've the issue I've got with it more than anything else is that it didn't embrace its oddness enough. Uh, okay, because the, the trailer made it look like it was almost Michel Gondry. Yeah, I mean, yeah. almost needed to have an injection of more Wes Anderson, which is something I don't normally say about a movie, as you know. Um, but <laughs> it, it needed that extra push of like you've got a really fucked up idea, just yeah. go fully on with it because you've got some really dark, really dark moments in this, really funny moments, really crazy moments in here. You've got to embrace them fully. If you don't embrace them fully and just sort of half arse them, it just comes across as weird rather than you know. It, it doesn't. It, it it's more jarring within the narrative. You know, it's not. Yeah. It feels like he's living in our world, but he's just weird. So if you make the actual film totally weird, it's almost it's a hyper reality. And it needed. Yeah, yeah. It needed more of that. It needs to embrace that. It needs to embrace a lot more of its darkness as well. It, it sort of pulled back too much from exploring the real sort of the nasty elements of what. Of what this situation is, and it could have done right. a lot more with that. Um, but it's still a very enjoyable, enjoyable movie. Like it's, it's, it makes you laugh. There's a lot, it's a lot of emotion in it as well. Um, certainly not a bad film, but I felt like it's not quite a missed opportunity because it's, it, it does hit well. But it was, a, it could have been a home run, and instead it's sort of like it gets the third base, and that's that. Okay, I, I'll definitely try and seek it out because I, I, it, 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 um, it, it resonated with me for, for some reason. I just, I say, I just remember the moon thinking that looks fucked up. Um, something a bit different, if nothing else. It's always nice to see Mark Hamill yeah. um, on screen if he's not Luke Skywalker. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's a reaction thing. Yeah. He has got Phil Skywalker beard going on, so he must have been filming in front of at the same time he was filming um, <laughs> the Jedi. Um, the Jedi, yeah, the Jedi. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely worth looking out. I'm annoyed I missed it at cinema. It would be nice to see it in the cinema, but it is very much a home watch, I think, and probably will find its audience that way. Um, yes. Again, it's a solid 7 out of 10, but if it had just proved itself... Could have been more. It, yeah, it had just, just been a bit braver, I think that's one of the things to say. You know, it, yeah. And you see it come, you know, it's, it's maybe they're trying to almost get palpable to the, to the main, not mainstream audience, but like a wider audience that by making it that little bit sort of lighter could have really been a sort of real blowout success of a real yeah. niche audience. Um, and I guess maybe why they made it less targeted to try and make it give it a wider, wider appeal. But I feel this mm-hmm. film is not going to have a wider appeal. You know, it's, it's, it's going to have a pretty narrow audience anyway. So that audience wants you to go all out on the weird. Mm. Yeah. You know, like I said, yeah. it could have done with more Wes Anderson. Um, that would have been sort of been a bit of pushed it right to the edge. Or even, I, I, I would always encourage anyone to more as I'm different to make it more, even more Ben Wheatley, you know, go kind of like, almost yeah. like, yeah, just level with it, you know, yes. almost um, prevenge style with it, you know, just go really nuts with it and make it just to the point you go, that's fucking, that's fucked up. Never had and it stays with you. Yeah. More than being a bit cutesy and a bit, yeah. it doesn't give you a punch. Yeah. Exactly. There's nothing. Nothing that came out. We're going like, well, that was fucking weird. That was. That was. Or that's going to stay with me for a long time. Nothing about that came out that way. But the film itself is lovely and fine. It becomes whimsical rather than than odd. And odd yeah. tends to stay with you longer than whimsical, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. It really. It, that's probably best to put it. It's very whimsical, and particularly the ending is very sort of like uh, very very saccharine. Um, but okay. Yeah. Definitely worth a watch, but just maybe it could could have could, could have been a real massive hit. You know, in the kind of cult community, but maybe we'll just sort of one of those films. We'll go, oh, it's a nice film, but we'll just, it'll drift away quite slowly. Probably is a bit of a missed opportunity, then, really, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And it, I mean, obviously, there's talent before there. The guy directing it and the guy writing, because Kyle Mooney, the guy who plays the main um, role, he overwrote the film as well. He's from SNL yeah. and that kind of stuff as well. He had kind of like almost like you know sort of extended cameos and a few other sort of comedies that are out just now. Um, mm-hmm. He's shown he's got kind of weird, weird kind of Napoleon Dynamite. You feel about him, you know, a bit kind of awkwardness that, that would. Talking a lot of yeah. films. It shows you that there is something there, but they need to maybe channel it slightly better. But still, okay. decent, decent watch. Um, but what we will mention just before we finish up for the night is there was a man made a statement. Was it yesterday he made this statement? Was it the day before? I think so. Yeah. yeah. You, you informed me actually. Yeah. yeah. Yesterday. Um, we talked about off mic. We talked about off mic. Um, Robert Redford has announced at 81 years old that he's sort of finished with being a an actor. Yeah. Legend. Which I think is a real shame, but understandable. Yeah, it's like... But the thing is, he hasn't really deteriorated. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, he um, No, because my favourite Redford performance is actually fairly recently, um, All Is Lost. I, that's my favourite Redford. Yeah, I mean, All Is Lost is a, is a, I mean, that is a film that is phenomenal and it's not seen by enough people. It's an amazing performance by Redford in that film. And that One of the greatest performances I've ever seen by anybody. Yeah. It, was, it was just, yeah. It's stunning. Um, yeah, agreed. I suppose eight years old, you can't really begrudge a guy who wants to sort of bend up whatever he's got left, you know, in other ways. He's earned it, hasn't he? Yeah, um, he's earned it. You know, he's been Will he direct? Or is he, do you think that, cause he might just do a Clint and just direct. But like, he's not, he's not, he's not a prolific director like Clint, though, is he? He's only no, gone three or four, hasn't he? He never has been, um, which, is, which is, again, odd because he's, like, you know, he's one. Of, he's, he's only Oscar is for directing. What was that for? Um, Please show Great ordinary people. Never seen it. Yeah, um, he, did, it. he got an honorary one in two thousand and two as well. But his only actual one Oscar was for directing. He's never. He's only been. He only got nominated once for an Oscar as an actor. What? Really? Yeah, yeah. and that was for the Sting. <laughs> it's the only film he ever nominated for an actor. Wow, but then so iconic. Yeah, yeah. it's more than you know that name and that power has only had one one nomination. He, the thing is though, when you look at his uh, saying saying to this um, to you off off um, before we started recording. 
there's a lot of Redford I haven't really seen. Yeah. Um, I've seen like the classics. I've seen Bush Cassidy, obviously. I've seen The Sting. I've seen All the President's Men. And then I've seen the later stuff. I, I forgot, actually, I've seen Quiz Show, which is brilliant. Um, really, really good film. Great, underrated. Great film, as well. Which he directed. Yeah, yeah. Best um, best nomination for that as well. Oh, okay, got a nomination for that. And yeah. well deserved. Well, that was excellent. Um, I think I've seen The Horse Whisperer. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm always fucking wary of horse fuckery after um, Spielberg's escapade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he always concerned me in those films. Um, and I, I like Lion Salams, actually, despite a lot of people not enjoying it. But uh, he's more one of those, when you look at his films, yes, they've got those iconic feel because of um, his characters and uh, Newman as well, particularly with Butch Cassidy. But actually, a lot of his films are quite indie. They're, they're quite indie flicks, aren't they? And he kind of infiltrated the mainstream in a way. Yeah, as a, as a man who likes All Is Lost, I think you should try and search out Jeremiah Johnson. Okay. Which is basically him in the wilderness by himself. Oh, well, that sounds like a precursor for it, doesn't it? That's yeah. a precursor for All Is Lost, isn't it? Yeah. Basically, you survive and he's sort of like a. He's sort of taking on the old sort of Native American ways. Um, I'm oh, right. based in a book, I might be totally wrong. It's, it's one of my dad's favourite films. He absolutely adores it. I bought him the Blu ray for it recently and it looks absolutely stunning. Um, oh wow! Um, but it's basically it's on that level. But it's those whole moments in the film where it's just it's it, there's no dialogue because someone it's the idea of like you wouldn't talk to yourself. You're by yourself. You would just it's all internal. Um, that um, it feels like it always lost is almost a spiritual success to that in a strange way. Then be, if there was a double bill in the cinema of Jeremiah Johnson and All Is Lost, it would definitely go along side by side. Yeah. Um, oh, that's cool. I might yeah. do that. that. That sounds really cool. Like spend a, a well, basically six hours of mute cinema, but look for it. <laughs> um, also, the Boots Cassidy, the Sting is obviously some of your greatest work. Um, Three Days of Condor. It's also an absolute. Oh movie. yeah, no shit, no, I have seen that. Do no, I've seen the previous. Yeah, really good. No, I have seen that. Um, all the men, obviously, as well. Brubaker is a cracking movie as well. The Natural is one of my favourites. The baseball fan. Um, out of Africa, I can't really remember it, but I'm sure I have seen it. Um, Sneakers, you ever watch Sneakers? The one with Dan Aykroyd and. I know of Sneakers. It's a lot of people on um, Twitter saying that Sneakers is their favourite version, actually, but I, I haven't seen it. A lot of people will see that because people are maybe our age, that may be the first time they saw Redford to a great extent, because it was like sort of that, yeah. that time, and you see something that's what you're maybe always identifying with. Um, for me, Always Lost is probably my favourite Redford, or probably Butch Cassidy. I think that's yeah, that, that's Butch Cassidy is the quintessential iconic role, but Always Lost is my favourite performance from yeah. what I've seen. It's a, I, don't um, even, I don't even think you get nominated for Always Lost, which I think is insane. It's absolutely mental. Yeah. That is utterly mental. Yeah. <laughs> I... I I haven't seen. I'm genuinely thinking of better performances. That's got to be in the top ten performances I think I've ever seen from anybody. So, um, it's it's an absolutely relentless film, and it's so fucking dispiriting. But you feel his pain throughout the the grueling two hour ordeal. Yeah. Um, and, and what 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 else was he excellent in? He was. Um, the only thing that he liked himself and the only thing he's ever said he watches, he rewatches and goes I've done a good performance in that film with this thing oh really yeah he said everything else he watches he can't watch himself in anything else wow I mean it's a great performance in this thing and what a cool film yeah just just classic and timeless yeah yeah come up recently Peach Dragon which I thought was really nice a really good family film if you get a chance to watch it yeah that. I like Peach Dragon yeah, yeah I've got a lot of time for Peach Dragon, Dragon. yeah um, probably, all, I mean, I'm going to say All the President's Men is probably one of my favourites as well. I think he's phenomenal in that film. Him and Hoffman will just work off each other so yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and again, weird if he wasn't nominated for that film. I can't think of who else. I don't know who won that year, but I can't imagine anyone was that much better than him in that year. It can't have been. No, it can't have been. That's 
staggering again. Um, the, the thing I've also mentioned about Redford as well, the thing he wants to talk about with Redford is not only he's done all these films, all these like sort of, and he's won direct Oscar, he's, he's always uh, great performances. He essentially changed cinema by um, Dark and Sundance. Yeah, I forgot that's Redford. Yeah. 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 I think when you say his films all feel very indie, he says that's the films he loves. He loves indie cinema. So yeah. when he got some money and he got some, you know, cash behind him, he ploughed that capital into sort of like fifty acres in Colorado and then started wow. expanding out the Sundance Festival and made it into what it is now, which is probably the biggest this big, big biggest yeah. American festival. Maybe I don't know if it's bigger than Cannes anymore, but it's pretty close to being bigger than Cannes. Um, Not be far off. Yeah. I mean that that you could argue that's a bigger legacy really because that 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 preserves the nature of the films we love really doesn't it yeah. so that's yeah. that's very fucking cool. Been, a film that says it's been slightly at the Sundance Festival will all hold more kudos for me than a film that says it was in a Cannes selection. Oh totally yeah there's a pretentiousness to Cannes that Sundance doesn't have as much I don't think yeah you know yeah. Um, your man who did. Nymphomaniac swept up at Cannes, so that's the kind of they're the kind of films that tend to um yeah it's French yeah you know, yeah yeah there's any French but uh, <laughs> do you think um, everything has no. come from Sundance in the past like say what since what it started in 1981 so everything in the past mm-hmm. like, say, 30 odd years that came from Sundance it, it's immense you know you're like, yeah. you know Tarantino wasn't Sundance was he he must have been must have been wasn't he yeah yeah I'm, I'm assuming he was because Miramax that's where Miramax been in the past so you know you hang, you're obviously you're um. Tarantino, um, yeah, Oderberg came from Cannes as well. Mm-hmm. Cannes, sorry, Sundance, you know, Sex Life and Videotape. Yeah, um, obviously, our favorite Kevin Smith came from Sundance. That was a big thing for him in Sundance as well. You know, just like just everybody who's like a major, you know, director in the world just now has probably had to plough their way through Sundance at some point. But the guy, that when you see, yeah, when you see something that breaks an indicator of quality shining through. Not always, but most of the time you think, okay, that's someone I'm gonna, I'm gonna check out that film because there's there's a there's a reputable quality to Sundance that makes it intriguing. Yeah, because um, the only the only film I can think of coming out of Sundance in the past say like ten years that I watched went that is an absolute shithole of a film was the one that won it a couple of years ago the one um, Buffer of a Nation. Oh yeah, yeah, I wasn't a Big fan. No, of that I, thought it was an, I thought it was an I thought it was absolutely awful as a movie. I thought it was absolutely terrible. Yeah, um, yeah, that's um, very um, virtue signaling signaling film is the term I believe. Yeah, yeah. Nation, Yeah, I wasn't yeah. a fan of that. Yeah. But, but Little Miss Sunshine. Little Miss Sunshine, Sunshine was an amazing film that came from it. Um, also, this became a little bit more mainstream now. But you have a lot of studios going to um, Sundance now, but they go there to try and get a market quality. You know, yeah. if, you, if you can take your studio Bo Windy to Sundance and get it stamped as a Sundance, you know, selected or screened, then it adds so much, you know, kudos to what you're trying to do, you know, and trying to get yeah. out there. Um, did three billboards go to Sundance? Was it Toronto? I really can't remember, but you know, it's, it's stuff like that that will that comes from the studio system, but still has to go to these places to try and get the, you know, the the. It was like. There were, there were a couple of cool films from a couple of years ago that we both really enjoyed, and I'm sure they were Sundance. And they're two of my favourite indie films. I, I could be wrong, but um, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl yeah, and, definitely, yeah. and Dope, they Dope must have been... Yeah, in, Dope was amazing, yeah. Yeah, both really good films. Did Linklater come uh, through Sundance? Sorry? Did Linklater come through Sundance? He must have. It seems like he was... <laughs> It seems like he was tailor made to come for Sundance, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't know. yeah, I'm going to say Days and Confused. Um, if not Days and Confused, surely Slacker came through Sundance. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly can't confirm, but I, I'm, 
I can only imagine it came through Sundance. Yeah, most of it. Yeah, so I think that's about Red for that. So I think that makes me like him a lot is because of the fact that he's, you know, he's, he stayed true to his indie roots to an extent. You know, he said he loved that kind of film, so he, he pushed for it. He never really sold out, did he? You know, there were a couple of gash films he's in. What was the one where he, um, there's Indecent Proposal, but that was still quite watchable. Um, and that was, was it not Paul Verhoeven directed that Indecent Proposal? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. Verhoeven, as much as you say it, is a bit of a, um, a, like kind of sellout, kind of like almost like an odd one to do. Verhoeven's an interesting director, and I maybe that's why he did it because Verhoeven is he is an on the edge director. He's unpredictable, isn't yeah, he? I really he, like Dell. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. Um, um, yeah I'm trying to think of any real clunkers, and I can't really think of an absolute clunker that he's done. No, really. I say I haven't watched. I, I can't say I've watched. I probably only watched about fifty percent of Redford's films, but um, certainly most of the later ones. I reckon I've seen most of them. I mean. It, Fuck's sake, if I've seen Horse Whisperer, I must have. How the <laughs> fuck have I seen Horse Whisperer? <laughs> yeah. um, the good thing about Red, one more film coming out, which is called The Old Man and the Gun. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. And I didn't until he said he was retiring. So do you know? You can enlighten us. It's done, but I think it's David Lowry who's directing it. David Lowry. Who's uh, is he, isn't, he, isn't he Pete's Dragon? He's Pete's guy. Dragon and also Eight and Body Saints. The, um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, obviously, Pete's Dragon is the one which I thought was, like I said, I thought it was actually a generally quite a, a lovely, amazing family film, a really good family movie. I, I loved it. No, I thought it was a proper um, family classic. That's, that's really good. And he also, he also done a ghost story as well, which if you've seen, you've seen. Yes, and, enjoyed and, that. And you'll have questions about, but um, he's done that. So he has got, you know, indie kudos. So yeah, that's who's doing it. Um, David Lowry, really interesting director. Um, but I've, I I've, I'm hoping this is sort. Of, it's about a guy who's obviously a 60, 70 year old bank robber who's still robbing bank. And awesome. Like, and he's just he likes doing it, and he, he wants to keep doing it. So it, it feels almost like it could be the same way that um, Newman bowed out with Road to Perdition. Or Cars. Or Cars. I'll, I'll give him Road to Perdition. <laughs> I mean, Road to Perdition is his bow out film. That's when he says, you know what, this is me finished. <laughs> Yeah, no, but Expedition was a fitting finale for Newman, yeah. so this sounds like it could be that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. It's, it's all, you know, it's a nice way to sort of to final, like, you know, to end a career. You know, he started with the biggest hit was probably being a bank robber, and he'll finish being a bank robber as well. Cynical me has come into play here. Do you think the studio have encouraged Redford to say this before this film is released in the hope that it will get Oscar buzz? I think at 81 years old, I don't think he gives a shit. Yeah, probably right. Probably. Um, I think... He, he's never been a man who, like said, has maybe told. Maybe that's why he's not won the Oscar. He's not told that studio line. He's no, he hasn't. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He doesn't play the game necessarily, you does know, he? Imagine if he if, if they wanted to get him out, you know, doing the publicity stuff for other films, he could have got the the Oscar buzz for for numerous other films. Maybe he just decided, you know, I'm an actor. I'll do my thing, and then I'll walk away from it. That's that's it. And I can't imagine at 81 years old. You keep convincing him, oh, you've got to do this in order to get an Oscar. He's like, well, I've got fuck off. I've got two anyway. I don't I don't need an Oscar. You know, I don't. <laughs> Um, I'm a fucking living icon. Yeah, icon. Exactly. I don't think you need to have anything like that. So I, th- I can only imagine that he's announced this now because maybe, maybe he's very happy with this film and he sees this as a, a film as a way to... Yeah. to new man to a great career, yeah. yeah. Do you he's, think he's got to be in the running, though? Even though we don't know if the film's going to be any cop. If it is any cop, he could potentially be in the running, couldn't he? It I would be a beautiful is. swan song story, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely that's it's the story that Hollywood loves. You know, the you know the yeah. final the final the final chapter is you know him lifting the Oscar. You know, that'd be the yeah. fitting final chapter. 
Um, yeah. Hopefully that is the case, but even if it's not, he'll bow out on a phenomenal career. And I'm not saying that he's not said he's definitively finished. No. You know, he just sort of said, I'm retiring, but if something amazing has come along, then he might consider it, but he's not really looking for anything. A bit like, you know, the way, um, you know, Hackman is just now a little bit. Hackman, yeah. The workouts, he's got health issues. Um, Connery as well, to an extent. Nicholson, you know. Yeah. Voight for a long time there as well, because until Ray Donovan came along, he sort of bowed out of. Doing a lot yes, of stuff yes. as well, you know. So it's sort of this. It's to me, it's sad. It's sort of. It's going to sound sad saying it's the, the white man in Hollywood, the kind of elderly white man in Hollywood, but it seems like a, that kind of you can either leave the stage gracefully, which a lot of those guys have did, or you can end up being like De Niro and sort of unfortunately yeah. ploughing through a lot of shit to keep yourself on screen. Yeah, it still hurts. I can't handle yeah, it. Yeah, but it's like, like you know, it. I would even say Kane falls into that act. You know, that sort of world as well. Kane says yes to a lot of stuff as well. Freeman yeah. as well says a lot yes to a lot of stuff. You know, you feel like I don't think those guys need money. You know, and you feel like they could just say, you know what, let's. I'm I'm happy just to call it and and if Kane came out and said he said he call it a day you go like, yeah that fine call it a day you know and yeah maybe they should have more one you can appreciate guys like say Newman or Redford who decide in their own terms you know what I've I've done my bit and I'm, I'm happy just to call that a career yeah yeah and, and what a fine what a fine career as well you yeah. know no compromise whatsoever rare in this day and age yeah. so. Kudos to Mr. Redford, who still somehow is ginger at 81. So that gives me hope. He still maintains <laughs> the crimson flame. <laughs> but hang on, we know he's got, like a, he's got a, a contract with Marvel. He has to come back with to do a Marvel film again, you know, in flashback. You know, because he has got that. Oh, uh, I hope so. He was fucking awesome in Winter Soldier. Yeah, he was he's good. got his kids, so I'm, I think that's a good reason to do that one. I think so. Yeah, or he's got his kids, his grandkids, I'd imagine it would be. Not his kids. He's yeah, Jesus. Must be fucking great grandkids at 81 years old. Um, yeah, probably. Unless you make Jagger. Yeah, true. Um, but that's us for this week. There's um, not much else out. But for next week, we've got an an interesting mix of stuff for um, probably myself and Barry to discuss. Um, we got? have unfriended the dark web. I, 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 that sounds awful. Yeah, what unfriended is terrible, um, but made a lot of money because it was made very cheaply. Um, this, I mean, it looks, it looks bad. I've I not much interest in it. Um, you've, got the dark, <laughs> you've got the darkest mind. Darkest Minds, which that is, looks good. That looked really good. It looks uh, interesting. One from the guys on Stranger Things, like some of the producers yeah. doing that. It, yeah, let's I, look at that. I fear if it's not if it's standalone, I'd be quite happy with it. But I fear it's trying to be in our franchise. Do you? Okay. Like that sort of teen, yeah, you know, sort of Maze Runner, uh, Divergent, yeah, Divergent sort of. I sense yeah, it could be down that. Sure. Hopefully not. Hopefully it's more like Girl with All the Gifts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One off. This is the story. Move on from it. But looking at the cast, looking at the setup, it feels like it could be more than that, which could be interesting. Mm. Um, but could maybe curtail it a little bit. And you've also got the festival, which is out this week as well, which is from the guy who did um, in between us. Oh yeah, I've never seen. So I I don't actually know. It just doesn't seem to appeal to me. Um, Uh, I'm I'm a big fan. It's actually. Very, very funny. For any, anyone who's been to British school, there's a lot to kind of resonate with. It's very, it's, it's not as um, crass and laddie as maybe a, a trailer of it would suggest. It's actually, a lot of it is very um, on the nose and, and quite quite poignant and, and, and very uncomfortable, much like teenage years. Would it be more and they wrote, they wrote, they're good writers as well. They wrote some of the best Flight of the Concords episodes. So no, I'd be intrigued by that. Although I thought the trailer was fucking terrible. Yeah. Uh, 
would you say in between is in between us more along the lines of like a Derry Girls type thing? Is it more than that? Yeah. All oh, right, something like yeah. that. I'm, I only do it in between us based on people who I know who watched it and everything else they watched and went, no, if you're watching it and loving it, then I don't think I'm going to love it. It was very much a judgment. It was very much a very harsh judgment. On yeah. It. I was making up. A, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there is that element. Um, a bit like, um, unfortunately, like band. Sometimes bands who are really good just get co-opted by cunts. You know, like yeah. Arctic Monkeys are a racist. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh fuck, you guys used to be good, but everyone who likes you is a cunt. So by default, I will hate you. Yeah, yeah. that's basically it. I don't like you because everyone who likes you is a prick. And, <laughs> yeah. and also out, which is the big release of next week, is the Meg. Oh my god, I'm so excited about the Meg. Yeah. Oh, I'm desperate to see the Meg. I really wanted to come to the Mad Isle. I want to get roaring drunk and watch the Meg, but I don't think it's coming. In a film you have to watch in a full cinema with everyone in the cinema drunk out their heads to really enjoy it. I, I think, think so. Yeah. I think so. It's oh, a plane oh. almost that you want to, you actually want to watch it in a rugby yeah. cinema. You know, if I've, I've, yeah, two, definitely. Yeah. You're getting a two series, you're not going to enjoy this film. You're gonna, you're, you're, no, no, no. You need a few, a few, a few ales beforehand and, and you'll be sound. I, yeah. I'm very jealous of you watching the Meg. I don't suspect it will come over here. <laughs> Um, but that's out next week. Um, if people do want to contact us, we are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Three Bears in a Movie, and also on Gmail at the same address, Three Bears in a Movie at gmail.com. I've been Richard, you've been. I've been Stu. And you've been listening.